This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Grace Brothers Dress Hire Department. Buy your tux and then perspire. Try our new dress suits for hire. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! I'm Brandon! And I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? A cigarette that bears a lipstick's trains An airline ticket to romantic place You didn't know I could sing, did you? I had no idea what that song was, and I'm so impressed that you were able to identify it from Mr. Rumble's playing. And still my heart has wings These foolish things remind me of you These foolish things, Ella Fitzgerald, you Yeah I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. And that um, was Mr. I, Brandon, I, the vocal stylings of Mr. Brandon. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing okay. It just rained a little bit here, so we got a little bit of cooling off. Um, ah, that's lovely. Hot, hot weather. And a bit of shush, a bit of shush, please, peoples. I just want to make a little speech here. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our new listeners from the specific ocean... Uh, uh, thanks to our friend, the business homosexual in all of Melbourne, Victoria. Uh, it was so much fun having Mr. Dean here Yay with us Dean. last week. Um, and so we hope you all enjoyed the episode. And I'm clapping got... upside down as if I were <laughs> Australian. And so we've got a bunch of brand new listeners. So welcome Sandy and CJ and Nick and Thomas and Susan and Glenn and Dirk and Dave and anyone else that we may have missed. Um, Thank you all so much. We're glad you're with us to talk about Are You Being Served? It's nice. It's different. It's unique. It's nice. Yes. It's, it's unusual. I, yeah. I was trying to decide if I should wear my gum ear, my gum nut earrings or my parrot earrings, but who knows? We'll, we'll decide. So hello, Australia and all of the, um, the fan people of Dean slash... Um, Frock Hudson. Frock Hudson. Um, no, was, I have to say, uh, we had so much good feedback from... Uh, no sale episode 20, the namesake episode of the podcast. So exciting. Hold on, Gladys. There you go, dear. Um, yeah, she was excited. So Dean was amazing. All of our special guests have been amazing. Um, but um, I don't know if it was like the alternate hemisphere that made the people ex- especially appreciate him. Um, his extravagant gaiety. The fact that all of the, it was like a triforce of gayness between the three of us. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think you also got a lot of feedback about your impersonation of Mrs. Slocum's 21-year-old voice, which was hysterical. Super fan Jeff White had to pull over. He was laughing so hard. He was listening to it in his car. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was, um, Yeah. And I love that we hear the term vital statistics today. So um, <laughs> that was exciting in the episode. We also heard a little bit more from Ursula about the, um, the game that her and her um, siblings, Anthony and Angela, made up. 
Uh, so they made up an Are You Being oh Served version of Clue. And so we got a little bit, or Cluedo for people in the, uh, in the Commonwealth. And so some of the crazy rules they made up are Mr. Grace always gets double roles because he's the owner of the firm. Okay. Of course. Um, if you end up in Mr. Rumbold's office, you have to stay there for two turns, which makes a lot of sense because you're getting a Because he has to, to like not understand what's going on. Exactly. He has to explain it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, if you roll a 12, you go, you go to the boardroom. Okay, I get the that. Um, and if Mrs. Slocum gets called into the canteen, she becomes quote unquote drunk and has to stay there for three turns. <laughs> so, that's, <laughs> so that's that's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. So thanks again, Ursula and um, brother Andrew and sister Angela. Hello, hello. Um, she and Olivia even it looks like so. Um, so she was like, please mention all my people. So hello, people. Um, and thanks, Ursula and um, everybody, to send us that awesome game. So we actually have a really cool high-resolution image of it. And I'm going to try to, like, fix it and, like, kind of angle it different and make it, like, a high-quality PDF. And then post it on Facebook on our page so that people can download it. I mean, how cool would that be if, like, we have people playing and then you can send us photos of you and your family and friends, like, playing I don't know what would what would the name be like if it was already being served, but Clue like Pussy. I don't know what would we would call the name. <laughs> I don't know. We've got to figure it out, but I don't think that we could make How reference. About unanimous, to... the game. That's. Probably... I, don't, I don't think we can make reference to Clue or Cluedo because of the our good friends at Parker Brothers might have a problem. With Clueless. That, so. That's it. Clueless. <laughs> that would work. I totally paused. Nope. Sorry. Wrong. Uh, wrong entertainment. Yeah. Um. So what are we talking about today, Brandon? There's an episode called Top Hat and Tails. Um, there's nothing more that the, than the show... Well, the, the, the people who make Are You Being Served um, liked nothing more than putting on a show. Putting on a show. Um, and this is exactly what they do. Um, you know, we've been speaking so many times that these people are multi-talented. They're like... Um, what's that thing when you have the Tony Award and the... Grammy. EGOT. EGOT. They're, all, they're, they're not quite EGOTs, but they're almost there. So uh, we get to see Captain Peacock, Frank Thornton, like whip some tail on the piano and doing it very sassily, I might add. Uh-huh. Um, some ballroom dancing, everyone in the staff almost. Um, and, of course, hamming it up by Mr. Humphreys, John Inman. So it was a good time. And I'll also jump in to say that people are also really loving the clip of John Inman's "This is my, mm. this is your life" clip that I put on the Facebook page too. Um, it's really sweet, and like he seems very like I forgot who said it, but someone said on the comment that um, they didn't realize. Oh, it was our super fan Julia. She didn't realize how much of Mr. Humphreys was just John Inman. You know, like that's kind of who he was as a, as a person, um, because you see, like whenever he kind of gets. Um, the, the thing with the show, um, uh, uh, This Is Your Life, they kind of surprise you. And you yeah. don't know. And there's like a camera in your face. And then you know you're about to be like celebrated for like an hour. Um, and as they kind of attack him with a, with a, with a, uh, a camera, he's kind of like, he thought it was going to be like an evening news piece. And then suddenly there's like the host. And oh, my God. Oh, well, he, our Ada. Our Ada. Yeah, he, he kind of just like, well, I say... You know, all the little Humphreysisms that he does on the show. And um, even on the show, like when all of his family's coming on the stage and like all his his coworkers and stuff through the years, he just 
is Mr. Humphreys. I mean, there's no difference between the two, really. So it's really sweet. So it's a cool yeah. thing to see if you haven't already. All right. Shall we get into it? Let's do it. Okay. So Top Hat and Tails premiered on April 12th, 1976. And that week in the news, uh, the $2 bill was reintroduced in the United States uh, to prepare for the bicentennial celebration. Have you ever seen uh, one? I have. I have a couple of them. I, I, my family was always uh, given as a birthday present. It was seen as good luck, but you never spend it. You save it. Yeah. Um, it's really cool and, if you've not seen it. Like, the back is the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. So it's, like, weird to see, like, a big, wide picture on the back of it. But, you know, it's pretty cool. I know a lot of people who travel a lot uh, for work. Like, those people, like George Clooney's character in Up in the Air that are literally on a plane every week. Um, when they're traveling abroad, they tend to give out tips in U.S. $2 bills because they're so rare overseas. Oh. That people, you know, really appreciate it. And I don't know if they are worth more overseas oh, for, the, cool. for the trade value, but it's another use for them. Um, hmm. India's government, in an attempt to limit the birth rate, had introduced a family planning initiative that included a minimum marriage age, uh, 21 years for men and 18 years for women. Um, Needless to say, it was not successful, considering that India is now the number two population in the world with well over a billion people. There's a lot of people in the world. There's a lot of people there, yeah. But at Grace Brothers, there's only about 10 or so, so we (laughs) We can deal with that. We can deal with that. So um, we open the show with a view of the lifts, and the longest banner ever known (laughs) to humankind is there. So this is what it says in Broadway font over the lifts. Grace Brothers announces the opening of their dress hire department. Oh, the sponsor of the show, by the way. So thank you, Grace Brothers, for sponsoring the show. Like, I think the only thing that the only other longer banner in all of UK is that train station in Wales. (laughs) Oh, with the funny, the super like 19,000 character long name. Yeah. Is that really it? That's it. Okay, so by the way, I also wanted to thank um, who? What was who? What was her name? No, is is a him, uh, Mr. Gregory. So whenever Jeff becomes Jeff on the podcast, Professor Jeff, Professor Jeff, yes, we like to um, call him out and give him a little props here, here, bravo, and even Gladys, you know. Um, but that's always it's kind of a joke. But I always say. Thank you for the five stars, everyone, on Apple Podcasts. Five-star ratings is what we'd like. Thank you very much. But we actually get them. So Gregory left us one um, not too long ago, waxing poetic about our lovely podcast. So thanks, Gregory. But whenever um, Jeff, like, he, say it again, Jeff. Just do it. Okay, we have listeners in Wales. So, uh... Let us know. <laughs> yeah, but let us yeah, know how we did. Yeah, Jeff is quite the linguist and um, raconteur, bon vivant, one might even say. So uh, there we go. So thanks for the five stars is all yeah, I'm trying to Yeah, say. listeners, you know, please do, you know, we encourage you to subscribe on your favorite podcast uh, provider, as well as giving us those reviews, because here's the hint. Are you tired of listening to the same ad for 21 weeks in a row? If we get more reviews and we get more listeners, then we might get more interesting ads for you to hear. 
So, Which reminds me, have you ever wanted to try your own podcast? Try the nice people <laughs> at Anchor.fm. That's right, Anchor.fm. Thank you. So the lift doors <laughs> open and Rumbled and Peacock silently come down the stairs and Peacock's umbrella ends up getting caught in Rumbled's. Uh, and we see Peacock swap it out for one of the new umbrellas on sale. That Kinda is not a cheeky. gentlemanly thing to do, I have to say. But he looked around to make sure no one was looking. Right. But like, what about the store detective? <laughs> oh, no. Is this, right. is this before or after with the, the cameras? No, they took them out. That's right. They yeah. took them out, yeah. Of course. Um, and cheeky. so we, we get to meet Mr. Harmon for the first time in this episode. I know. I love Mr. Harmon. I miss Mr. Mash, but he had other TV shows to do. Yeah. So, um, Mr. Harmon was played by Arthur English, and he would last the rest of the series, um, unlike all of the senior members of the department. Um, <laughs> yes. And on the radio, he actually starred in a show called Variety Bandbox, which was on BBC, alongside comics such as Reg Dixon, um, the pimple on the end of your nose at the end of last week's episode. Oh, the guy with the funny little face. With who the funny like little a, face, yeah. With the little cherub face. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, it kind of goes back to, like, there were about a dozen English actors in the 70s, apparently, and they just recycled them over and over again. Right. Um, um, uh, Arthur English was also featured in the episode for John Inman's This Is Your Life. Like, they were, he was doing something on stage, and it just so happened he was there with John Inman. Nothing to do with Are You Being Served. So, he's a cool guy. Excellent. I've heard he was a really nice guy, too. Good to know. Good yeah. to know. Glad to hear. Um, and so Mr. Harmon is bringing the center display unit, and in tow is a scientist type in a lab coat. Like, do us a favor and do a Google image search for 1970s scientist. You know, we'll, we'll wait. And it will be a spitting <laughs> image picture of Mr. Ludlow. And he has, like, a little device that he's always looking at and looking concerned about. Yeah. And he's got those kind of horn room glasses and the white lab coat. Right. Um, Mr. Ludlow was played by Peter Green. Um, He was on Doctor Who back in 1967. Uh, That was the theme song. And also he guest starred on one episode of It Ain't Half Hot Mom. Okay. Which is another one of our Croft and Lloyd shows. So the center display unit is a Fred Astaire mannequin with its pants down, exposing a pair of cornflower blue trunks, right? That's very specific coloring, by the way. So um, Mr. Harmon and Mr. Ludlow need to keep the mannequin's trousers down because the scientist is still making some technical adjustments with a Phillips head screwdriver. (laughs) I don't know. Adjustments can be made whilst trousers are down sometimes, so I completely understand what they're saying. Well, I get that, but like, if this is <laughs> such a... you do. <laughs> well, how if can Dean I vocalize... was here, it's it's the effect of Dean. He's just his presence is still here on the show. How can I vocalize rolling my eyes? <laughs> um, we need we need a sound effect for that. Gladys, can you like you know can you do rolling my eyes in uh, Morse code? <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So Mr. Harmon starts adjusting the trousers when Mr. Humphreys arrives and the mannequin still has his pants down. So I was like, oh, have I missed something? Thinking that, like, <laughs> so <right>. stupid. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Mr. Mr. Granger arrives thinking that he's thinking that the customers are already here, and he addresses the mannequin as, as a if customer. It's a customer. Yeah, it's so cute. Totally out of it, much like last week when he missed the fact that all the customers were gone before he finished uh, greeting them in the morning. Um, so he addresses the mannequin. Good morning, sir. You being served? And Harmon drops the trousers on the mannequin. Oh, braces, Mr. Humphreys. <laughs> <laughs> so as a kid, so stupid. As a kid, I never understood braces were suspenders. Yeah. I don't know why that just never got in my head. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. He's like suspenders, Mr. Humphreys. It's so cute. Oh, I love I love me some Mr. Granger. Yep. Um, Mrs. Slocum, Mrs. Brahms arrives and Mrs. Slocum arrives. Well, what is the center display? What does it do that's so different? And again, the trousers come down. Oh, okay, <laughs> I guess it's a little different. All right. The joke's starting to get a little bit tired, but it's important because it's going to make another appearance a little bit later on. Um, Mr. Lucas pushes in the Ginger Rogers model and it has no top on. And it's got this skirt with this huge neon green tool underneath it. Yeah. And it must be about six feet wide. And I've always, and I'm still confused about this, that this is black tie wear in 1970s Britain. Like, (laughs) if the man is wearing a tuxedo and the woman is wearing this giant tutu and not, like, an evening gown? Well, yes, Jeff, but do you understand ballroom dancing? That's the thing. So, have you ever seen a ballroom dancing competition? I've seen, like, Strictly, does that count? Uh, No. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so if I, I'm not like a big ballroom dancing aficionado, I mean, I did take it as an elective in college, but, um, they called me twinkle toes, uh, Brando is what they called me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but, um, so when you, if you just like go to YouTube and look at ballroom dancing competition, like women really do wear dresses like that. It's, it's, they're very vivid because, you know, you, if you're, competing on a on a stage or like a ballroom contestant floor you want to be standing out you want to have a special color so you know it wasn't so like they, they wouldn't dress that to like a, a party or something it's more like an active outfit well that's what i'm getting at if this is to advertise the dress hire department and customers are going to be renting this formal wear what are they renting it for are they all in amateur ballroom dancing competitions or do they need to like go to the firm's dinner party I think it's just a good excuse to get the people dancing. Yeah, but, that's true. But, you know, I think, I think maybe people didn't hire... Like, I, I, I think for guys, like, I don't have a tuxedo. I don't either. But I think women probably would have... Ladies, let us know. Would you have, like, a An fabulous gown, dress? Formal wear, yeah. Like, in your closet? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't have a tux, so... I would have to rent one, but... Uh, yeah, I would have to rent one, too. I've never had to rent one before. Um... Because any wedding that I've been a part of, um, I just wore a suit. You know, and I, I'm, yeah, I'm we're just born, like Americans who just let it all and, hang out. You know, born and raised East Coast, all of our weddings are formal. Suits are, are required. We call the, people by their first name, and we say, "I like you, Cynthia. I really <laughs> like you, Cynthia." Oh, that's that's another good one. I can't wait for that one to come up. Anyway, so Mr. Ludlow, the scientist, demonstrates the first maneuver with the center display units because not only do they look like Fred and Ginger, but they're going to be programmed to dance. You know, okay, to who's attract Fred attention. and Ginger? What is that? Is that like well, the Flintstones? Yes, that's exactly who that is. <laughs> uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers were a famous uh, dancing couple 
in the 40s or earlier? Or like 30s. I mean, it was 30s like... 30s maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, super early. So, um, I think the children might not know. So the Fred Madigan salutes and then Ginger Madigan curtsies. And Mr. Granger remarks, well, people very seldom curtsy these days. To which Mr. Humphreys replies, well, my milkman does. <laughs> which <laughs> is so absurd. And Granger gets like, he's, his jowls are moving. He's like shocked, <laughs> pulling that face where he's just like, Bleh? There's always um, something about a milkman in this show, right? Mrs. Slocum, like, almost that's gets true. Uh, We've had taken away jokes. by hers. We've had milkman jokes three episodes in a row. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Mr. Rumbold uh, goes to push the next button, and he starts to make a big speech as he's wont to do, right? Mm, yeah. So he makes this whole big speech about that this is a huge move forward in the Grace Brothers history by opening a dress hire department. He misquotes Neil Armstrong's One Giant Step for Mankind I know, speech. I noticed that. I was like, wait a minute. That's not how it goes. It's one giant leap. And I think he says one giant step for department right. kind. Or I don't remember what he said. Something, but I, something. Yeah. So he pushes a button and the trousers come down yet again, right? <laughs> yeah. Well... The, the scientist is prompt to scold him, just as Rumbold is very prompt to scold his employees, that instead of pushing button eight, he actually, uh, button three, he actually accidentally pushed button eight. Oh, boy. Yeah. And so um, he goes to start to make the speech again, presses the button, and only um, the mannequin's shoulder nudges, right? Okay. Well, well I've sent the signal. But then the mannequin puts his hand on his hip, just like Humphreys does when he's standing there. <laughs> in which Mr. Humphrey goes, oh, I think he's got the message. <laughs> so do we. <laughs> and then everyone laughs. And so uh, finally the Fred mannequin salutes. Aww. And so they're all agog and gas, like, oh, how lifelike and uncanny it is. Uh, but Mrs. Slocum says, well, if my pussy saw that, he'd be straight up the curtains. <laughs> um, yeah, poor Tittles. Um he doesn't like us, like quick movements. She doesn't. She, he, she, they, they you know, yeah. Um, poor kitty cat. Yeah. That's what I say. So he goes, Rumboat goes to press <laughs> the button again. The Fred Madigan makes a fist and punches Ginger in the face and knocks her head off. <sighs> so needless to say, like all of the other center display units, there are quite a couple of uh, things to iron out before it goes Typical live. Typical central display yeah. unit at Crash Brothers. Um, cut to the canteen, and they're talking about how they're all watching their figures, and Mr. Humphreys produces the tiniest vial of saccharin in history. It's weird, right? Like, it, it's usually you think of, like, when props for a TV show, they tend to go a little bit bigger, so they're seen on camera. And yeah. he brings out this thing that's about the size of my thumb, and I'm like, is this really how they carried around, like, tablets of saccharin? Like, I understand that ta- saccharin tablets are tiny. You know, um, if you go to Europe nowadays and th- if in your hotel room, for example, yeah. you might get uh, pure saccharin and it comes in a little individual envelope, but it's, and it is a very, very tiny, like it's probably about half the size of my pinky thumbnail. Yeah. But the vial that he carries it in is so small. It was, it just seemed like an odd prop choice. To yeah. Me. I don't know. It was kind of, I, I noticed the same thing too. Um, maybe because saccharin was like kind of new back then. I think it was like only made a couple decades earlier, or maybe it was just like a 70s thing that that's how you carried saccharin, you know? I mean, because it was a tablet instead of like the powder envelopes we use, like equal, maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it just wasn't very popular back then. I don't know. It's weird. 
Yeah, it was. It was. It was relatively new back then, and mm. and there are a lot of other. It got a lot of bad rap in the seventies because they thought that um, it caused um, cancer in humans. Oh. Um, that was proven false in 2000, but there have been a lot of other sugar alternatives on the market since then. So it's not as popular here, uh, as it might've been. Well, you know, I'm like Cher in many ways. Um, I don't like the pink stuff, so I'm an equal kind of guy myself. Um, (laughs) um, I have two cups of tea every morning and I always have to put my equal in there and, if I don't, I'm not a nice person without that caffeine. But, you know, for a long time, people have always been saying, Brandon, you'll die from that stuff. And I'm like, um, I don't think so. It's just equal. You know, <laughs> I don't know. But sugar's good, too. But so is equal. So they're talking over um, they're talking over what they did uh, over the weekend. And Mr. Humphreys had a dinner party. Ooh, I wish I was invited. I bet yeah. his guests were a lot of fun. He does. He yeah. does. Um, he was uh, showing off his new electric log fire. You know, back when I lived in the UK for a little bit, um, I hung out with my friend Jim for a couple of weeks, um, who was really sweet. He lived in um, near Weston Supermare, which we actually hear a reference in um, later on in the show. Oh, ah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and he taught me how to make um, the proper cup of, uh, cup of British tea. Um so three stars clock, three huh? stars clockwise, two stars back, one and three quarter teaspoon <laughs> sugar, and show it the milk. Um, no, not not that uh, specific, <laughs> but it, almost. Um, but anyway, yeah, I lived at this house. Uh, he kind of lived in the country a little bit, so I was staying with him, you know. And I said, "Hey, listen, if I can stay at your place, um, I can be your butler and help tidy up and stuff." And he had like a cute little puppy who was so cute, so I helped with the little puppy dog. Um, anyway, so his house was from the eighteen seventies. Right. Um, So a lot of houses in Britain are really old. So um, it had a small little like front parlor in the very front of the house. And, you know, England can be cold. It's it's not like a tropical country. Um, And because this house was so old, um, you know, they have normal, you know, heating systems over there. But they like a radiator, if you're familiar with the East Coast. Um, But because the house was like so old, they didn't really have a lot of insulation. So turning on the heat. Um, the modern way would be really inefficient and just expensive because, you know, the heat goes away. But, you know, they have these small little rooms where you have a fireplace. So um, because the rooms are so small, you put a little fire in the fireplace and it's actually quite toasty and actually a lot more cheap to to heat your house that way. But you don't want to have, you know, smoky fireplaces all the time. So a lot of people over there have electric fires, which is an electric heater that looks like a log. And as a kid... I just had no idea what an electric fire was. It just confused me as a child. So it's funny, all those years later, I learned it out. (laughs) You know, better late than never. So at this (laughs) dinner party, Mr. Humphrey served canelled halibut. Um, And apparently, according to Mrs. Slocum, it's a very refined way of doing fish. Um, It doesn't sound that (laughs) refined to me. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds kind of delicious, right. but it sounds cheap, really. So you, know? you chop up the fish basically into a paste, add it with um, egg and breadcrumbs, and make a loaf, like a meatloaf out of it. Yeah. But instead of baking it, you poach it. I can't picture that. Now, I don't eat seafood at all to begin with, but this does not sound refined, nor does it sound you good. You know, it's, it's weird. I can't picture it, but it... it it sounds like something I would try. It reminds me of, like, Mississippi food, <laughs> in a way. 
I don't know. Um, like salmon croquette, we talked about that in another episode so, where you kind of mush meat together in breadcrumbs. Anyway. So Captain Peacock um, joins the, the rest of the staff for coffee. He had had his lunch in the boardroom. The boardroom. The boardroom. <laughs> Granger. Uh, Granger is pissed, right? Poor Mr. Granger. Uh, it turns out that young Mr. Grace had wanted Captain Peacock's advice on the Golden Shoes competition, which is a, um, a ballroom dancing competition amongst the department stores of London. As you do. So much like the table tennis club <laughs> right. and the retirement home, all of these department stores have a ballroom dancing team. Uh, of course, you know, why, why not? And six years ago, Peacock was on the team that reached the quarterfinals. How long does this Fakakta competition go on that it's actually a bracketed tournament? Right, and not just a one night? Well, you know, this is before people had cable TV and podcasts, so you had to find something to do. <laughs> so it turns out that um, Captain Peacock and young Mr. Grace were looking through Mr. Humphrey's records. I was interested in the charge. It was a case of mistaken identity. A little bit of humor there. <laughs> Free Mr. Humphreys. Right. He's innocent. Uh, and it turns out that Mr. Humphreys used to be an instructor at the Twinkle Toes Dance Salon in Western Superman. Ah, that's where my friend Jim lives, Western Superman. Which is, yeah, yeah. which is uh, in Somerset, uh, just across the channel from Cardiff, about three hours west of London. That's where everyone goes, O-R, O-R. Do you remember that episode where they're all farmers? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That was... Um, uh, the Takeover. Which ep- yeah, the, the Takeover. That's, that's where they, we're going to learn that, right? That's a crazy episode. We'll... We'll get to it. Yeah. It has its own thing. Um, but, so um, yeah, no, no, like it's funny because people do have a kind of little accent down there. So we also learn yeah. more about Mr. Humphrey's past. Uh, at the age of eight, he was a sunshine babe. Aww. Um, I couldn't find out what that is. Yeah, I couldn't find anything about that either. It was weird. I don't know if it was like a dancing talent troupe or like up with people or something like that. <laughs> up with people. Anyway, um, takes me back. We also find out somehow uh, Captain Peacock and young Mr. Grace in the boardroom found out that Mr. Lucas was a frequent visitor to the Palais de Danse. Oh, yeah, the nightclub. We talked about that before, too. Um, it turns out that uh, Mr. Lucas got chucked, uh, chucked out on the last under 25s night. And Mr. Humphreys knows that because he was there. He, so he got to stay. <laughs> it was so cute because uh, Humphreys is sitting there, you know, telling everyone at the, at the canteen uh, table, uh, yeah, Lucas was at the uh, nightclub at the young kids' night, uh, under 25's night last night, and he was kicked out. And then Lucas looks at him and says, how did you know? And then Mr. Humphreys looks up to the ceiling and says, I was there. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> um, I don't know why he... Because Why? he was allowed to stay. He didn't get chucked out because he looks youthful. Oh, it just hit me when you said that. Okay. Well, you know, gay men don't age. At least, well, Mr. Humphreys, because I kind of do age. So, So, uh, young Mr. Grace and Captain Peacock have cooked up this plan to form a ballroom dancing team at Grace Brothers mm-hmm. because they'd be able to wear the costumes and uh, promote the dress hire department. Um, young, they decide no one wants to do it, but... Captain Peacock says that they'll each get a bonus of 25 pounds if they agree to take part in the competition. Mm-hmm. And readily, they'll all agree. Of course. Because um, that's a lot of money back then. You know, it's uh, with inflation, it's about 180 pounds today or about $240. Damn. So, so that's... That's like a lot of money. I would dance with absolutely. my coworkers for that. Shit. Um, why don't we head on down to the canteen for a tea break and see if they've got some of that, some of that canal talent? Yeah, I'm a bit peckish myself. I hope the manageress is gone. Um... But maybe there's some leftover uh, Queen's 
pudding from last episode with Dean, but I'm not sure if that will be still good after this time. Well, you know what? It's all starch and artificial flavoring, <laughs> so I think you might be okay. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be cute. You're absolutely right. Um, okay, well, why don't we go see if it's edible? We'll nip on down to the tea to the um, canteen, and we'll be right back after a tea break. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And And you've you've all done done very well. well. All right, well, we're back from our tea break. Luckily, the manageress was not there. What did you end up having, Jeff? Well, I was feeling in the mood for something really healthy, like a piece of fruit, so I had a cherry right. I bet you that's something to do with Australia. I that, don't was know. My, that was my worst Kim <laughs> uh, Craig Nay Day impression ever. Oh, okay. That's a very good Kath and Kim uh, reference there. Um, carrying the theme with that, in honor of our, our, the friend of the show, Dean, uh, Dean Accurary, I, um, I think he must have left some food in the canteen because there was a slice of fairy bread that had not yet gone moldy. Um, all of the sprinkles, or t- hundreds and thousands, were all pink. So I assume it was something Dean left behind <laughs> before he hopped on his uh, trans... Atlantic flight, trans-hemispheric flight, back to Australia uh, when he was on the show. So it was delicious, and uh, luckily we didn't have to eat the canteen's food, so there we go. Well, you know that Qantas does fly direct from Melbourne to northern Mississippi. It's a big demand, you know, it's surprising. It's surprising, yeah, so that's good. All right, so... Uh, after lunch, well, after the, the the store closes, we see that Mr. Lucas and Mr. Harmon are pushing a piano into place. Not just they a piano. A, p- a piano forte. That's right. I love how they do that. They sound so fancy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we find out that Mr. Humphreys is going to be leading them, is going to be teaching the lesson because he was the instructor at the Twinkle Toes dance hall. I mean, he was, a, he was a, dar- a, a sh- sunshine babe. I mean, Sunshine on, babe, yeah. too, whatever that was. <laughs> um, so Mr. Humphreys starts the lesson, but Mr. Humph- uh, Mr. Rumble interrupts with the scales. So we get that director voice of Mr. Humphreys that Mr. we visit Rumble. a couple of times. Right. <laughs> Which um, we, we hear a lot. There's like a couple more we episodes. We do hear a couple times. And it's right? always Mr. Uh, Rumble like playing like interstitial music and then, you know, Trixie and the Trixie Trio and all of that stuff. Or you know, just people just not on their marks or not paying attention. Totally. Mrs. Slocum, Mr. Rumbled. Mr. Rumbled. Um, so Mr. Humphreys and Captain Peacock um, double up and lead them in a quick step. Um, and so Mr. Humphreys asks Captain Peacock if he can lead, which got a laugh because, of course, <laughs> Captain Peacock is going to lead. Of course, never. 
Uh, Lucas pairs up with Brahms because he can get a quick rope out of it, mm-hmm. but Slocum interrupts them because she should pair up with Lucas because she knows a little something about the dance, as does Mr. Granger. Um, we, we see Mr. Granger attempting to dance and it just looks like he's marching in place. Like there's yeah. nothing rhythmic about it. Right. He, he tries to look like he can't dance and he was remarkably good at it actually. <laughs> when they actually did dance. I yeah. love, I love how Mrs. Slocum, when she learns that, Oh, I can dance with Mr. Lucas. She gets right up in his face and, um, that tension, the sexual tension between them was palpable. Ugh. Well, it was also one way and unrequited. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. that sexual. T- Remember the first episode or two, we commented, like, wow, like, Mrs. Slocum kind of admits that she kind of fancies Mr. Lucas, like, dear sexy knickers and all that. And yeah. then as the, spirit, as the series goes on, like, it's more animosity, but now maybe she still has a thing for him. Mm. So, um, Mr. Rumbold goes to play and. Uh, these foolish things um, and he goes to play too quickly and so Mr. Humphreys interrupts him and marks the time with a slow, slow quick, quick, slow oh, two, three, yeah and so Humphreys and Peacock are demonstrating the dance and then they do a move called the fishtail across the floor and we see that John Inman is actually spotting so you know that thing where um, figure skaters and dancers will rotate their head ahead of their body so they avoid getting dizzy? Oh, I never thought about that, but that makes we sense. We actually see John Inman doing that. So I'm wondering if John Inman was actually professionally trained as a dancer. I mean, all these people sense. are egots, you know? I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, there's so much dancing on the show. I mean, I, ha- yeah, I, I would be surprised if he didn't have that background. You know, like right. Frank Thornton, Molly Sogden. I don't know if Wendy Richards, who plays Miss Brahms, did. I mean, I don't picture her dancing in my head, right? Like any of the other. She, when she goes to the disco, she just does the funky chicken. Oh, thank you very much. Right. <laughs> the funky chicken, which was like yeah. the hit craze dance craze at the time. Right. Oh, the 70s. So uh, Mr. Rumbold, eager for feedback, eager to be a people pleaser, asks how the piano playing was, and Captain Peacock responds, adequate, in his most neutral voice ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Rumbold gets a little cross. Well, if you think you could do any better, and Peacock doesn't say a word. And the look on his face. Steps up to the piano and plays a few bars very expertly. Oh, my God. It was beautiful. Like, I, he he yeah. kind of cut out uh, several bars, and I wanted him to finish the whole song. It was beautiful. I think for the Foxtrot, something like this is a little more appropriate. No, he says, uh, what does he say? He says something more, more poetic, like, it falls more easier, suited. Fall easier on the ears, which is or so something like perfect. That. Yeah. Um, so Mr. Humphreys changes from the quick step to the Foxtrot. Uh, Lucas can't get his arm around the back of Mrs. Slocum, so he grabs a mannequin's arm in order to hold him. But um, when Mrs. Slocum cops on, she, you know, pitches a fit. Yeah. And so, because she thinks that Lucas is trying to goose her. And so, Captain Peacock pulls him aside, and, like, they have a little bit of a boys' club moment commenting on the size of Mrs. Slocum's body, which was a little painful to see. I, I totally hear you. I thought the same thing. Um, I, I did laugh when Lucas said, I can find the large of her back, but I can't find the small of her back, which was, it's cute. Um, and then like, so like, she's, she's showing Mr. Uh, Captain Peacock, you know, that he basically kind of goosed her and 
And then I noticed, like, it's a really cool shot, actually, because Lucas is kind of standing away, so he's appearing very large on the sh- on the screen, and then you see Captain Peacock walk towards that corner of the screen, and yep. and, and it's kind of a cool shot. Um, and then he says, Mr. Lucas, and they kind of have a little confab about it. And it almost comes across as if we, I understand how horrible it must be dancing with someone that size. Do all you can. Do your best. You know, I was like, right. you know. I mean, I also laughed that there was no small of her back, but it just felt like. Well, that's a weird. play on words. That's not like, uh, you know, look at the fatty. It's. Yeah. It's, you know. Poor Mrs. Um, Slocum. So he, he gets up to um, he gets up to it again. And um, I don't remember who who says this. I don't know if it's Slocum or Peacock, but I shall ask Mr. Rumble to make an adverse entry in your records. Right? Yeah. Mr. Lucas apologizes because he doesn't re- didn't realize it was that serious. <laughs> but Trevor Bannister is cracking up. He can hardly get the light. I out. noticed. You see, yeah. You could see him in the wide shot biting his lip to keep from <laughs> laughing. Um, yeah. Granger fell asleep. Uh, he was dreaming of serving Prince Philip. Um, and then we learned some of the advice that from the elder Mr. Granger was if you could play a good game of tennis and play a good game of bridge and learn to dance well, then you can mix with all the crown heads of Europe. Um, and unfortunately, he didn't get to because he had B.O. Now it's Aww. Wendy Richards who's trying not to laugh. She's standing in the background, like nodding along with him as he's explaining all of this. And then <laughs> he's like, that. "But I had, but I had bo with that sour face of his." And he, she just loses it, <laughs> which is hysterical, right? You know, I'll, um, I'll just say real quickly. I'll just say real quick. It's funny because back when Mister Rumbold was chastising Mister Lucas and said, "I shall make an adverse entry in your records," and then Mister Lucas is like, you know making a joke. Oh, I didn't realize it was that serious. Like, it doesn't matter, you know. I remember being in, like, junior high and high school, and, you know, like, when you're in school, like, you have to be quiet. Yep. And no, all the kids can't talk. And, of course, I was always very well behaved, which I regret now. Um, <laughs> I should have gotten in trouble. It was more fun. But, um, you know, like, I was always quiet, and, hey, guys, be quiet. Like, don't get in trouble. Of course, you know, the entire class would get in trouble if someone was talking for some reason. Maybe right. that was just my school. But um, I remember teachers would say, like, do this or don't do this or it'll go on your permanent record. And I would always think of this scene, even when I was a kid, um, how Mr. Lucas was like, I didn't realize it was that serious, you know? And it's sort of like... It doesn't matter. Like, I'm not saying kids go out and be rambunctious, but have fun is all I'm saying. When did you find out there was no such thing as a permanent record? Today? Is there not one? (laughs) I thought there... I I assume it's, like, uh, somehow tied to my social security number that when I apply for a loan, they'll be like, well, you did go to detention in in fourth fourth grade. grade. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. I I feel it... I, th- I feel I must have been like around sixth grade when I realized that there was like because be- my parents didn't have theirs or have access to theirs or know what was on theirs or, you know, pe- older cousins didn't talk about it. Yeah. Like it wasn't a thing that like people talked about on the news. And I think I kind of put two and two together like, hey, kids, guess There's what? No There's such no such thing. thing. There's no such thing as a permanent record. It's just a tool to keep us quiet, you know. Yeah. 
Um, the next day in the gentleman's department, Mr. Humphreys gets a call. Menswear. Menswear. And it's um, someone from the higher department, and they have to all give their uh, measurements. I love how he costumes. says, oh, hello, Leslie, dear. <laughs> He's so cute. And I love that Leslie is a very ambiguous, na- ambiguous name. It could be a woman or a man. In fact, what is Mr. Harmon's first name? Beverly. Beverly. That's right. Yeah. You win. So the, the adjective used to describe that kind of a name is epicene. Oh, five stars. Thank you E-P-I-C-E-N-E. And the reason that I know this is that a couple of years I worked on a big project, project at work that had to do with address hygiene, which was making sure that people's addresses for mailing was formatted correctly, depending on the country in which they were being sent to, as well as all of the salutations being um, in gender agreement and also with the correct honorific. So yeah. we'd, have to fig- we'd have to figure out from the person's first name, okay, should we address this to dear Mr., dear Ms., or dear customer? Hmm. And so we had, we had to put a rule in place that for epicene names like Pat and Chris and Sam, and in the UK, Leslie and Beverly, you don't know. So you have to just go with customer. Exactly. And did you know that the epicene period in prehistoric times is when um, the first non-gender dinosaur evolved? <laughs> Well done. And uh, it's, 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 its scientific name in Latin is Rupolicus Roricus. I, I tried. It's not a good joke. Oh. Yeah. You, you should have quit while you were ahead. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, does, does Gladys make a sad trombone noise? <laughs> I should get one of those little, like, whistles. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're taking Mr. Granger's um, measurements, and so... Uh, this is so cute. Uh, his measurements are as follows. Chest? 42. Waist? <laughs> 42. <laughs> hips? 42. <laughs> he's basically so he's a tube. Basically a he's a tube. He's a tube. Poor Mr. Granger. <laughs> but then his inside leg is a 31, and Mr. Lucas calls fault like they're playing tennis. See, he says it so quickly, I didn't catch what he said. But now, see, I'm not a huge tennis guy, but... I guess if you're a big tennis person, that would have been very funny. Right. Well, that's also what makes up Mr. Humphrey's punchline of shall we serve again with new balls? Inside leg joke. Oh, I see. Very witty. So the scientist is back with the Fred and Ginger mannequins. Um, Fred lifts his hat and then bows. But when he bows, his head pushes Ginger's skirt down in the front. (gasps) So it's up in the back. And you could see her, you could see her bloomers. And Mrs. Slocum is all um, shocked. She's like, I didn't even press the button to show her appreciation. <laughs> That's so stupid. So this is <laughs> her appreciation. It was weird that, like, they kept saying the word appreciation, appreciation. I'm like, there's going to be a joke about that, I bet. So here it is. Yeah. So what, one thing um, that Mr. Harmon said, uh, at one point they were talking about um, Mrs. Slocum early in the episode she, I can't remember why she was talking about Blackpool and how she went to a casino on Blackpool Pier and, like, went on the cherry machine, which is a slot machine, and she hit a jackpot. And then Mr. Harmon says, I had a jackpot in Blackpool, but it was under the boardwalk, not on top of the boardwalk, meaning he had sex under the boardwalk. So when Mr. Harmon sees the skirt, like, of this mannequin, like, up like that so he can see her, see her underwear, 
for some reason, I don't understand this, so maybe you get this, Jeff, or someone else. He says, no, I tell a lie. It wasn't Blackpool. Uh, it was, um, oh, man, what was the name of it? It was Yarmouth. Yarmouth, that's right. It was Yarmouth where I, ha- where I saw, where I got the, you know, the, the jackpot the under jackpot. the boardwalk. What is yeah. it? I looked up Yarmouth, and it's like on the East Coast. It's a little seaside place. So it was Blackpool on the West Coast. But I don't know. Do you know why? I don't get no it. No idea. I don't know. Anybody? No clue. Let us know. Unanimous listeners, help us out. Yeah. Yarmouth? Knickers? Maybe there's a knicker factory in Yarmouth? So later on, uh, we're in Mr. Rumble's office. He's dressed up in his tuxedo. Uh, young Mr. Grace wants to watch the dress rehearsal. So we cut to the floor, and we see all the characters and the staff come out so in their dress hire costumes. Uh, Captain Peacock's tuxedo is too short. Reminds everybody a bit of Stan Laurel. Uh, and in the end credits, he does a little bit of a Stan Laurel impression, which is cute. Laurel and Hardy, one of the very first comedy duos in comedy. So Google them there if you, you don't know. Uh, Mr. Lucas pulls a stuffed rabbit out of his hat. So he goes down the magician route <laughs> so with all of his gags. <laughs> um, Mr. Humphreys arrives in his own tuxedo, which is very glittery and uh, gets a huge applause break. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I will also say in the beginning of the episode, or this the scene where people kind of come out of the lift and they descend the stairs one at a time. Um, it's rumbled first. It's like, okay, everyone's, you know, whatever. Then Peacock comes out. You can just tell they're building it up. They're building. They're going to bring out Mr. Humphreys at the end, and they're, the people are just insane. They're so... Because this is the fourth season. People... It's the Humphrey show by now, is what I'm saying. I think they. I think that the, the script writers and the director have finally gotten the, ha- the hang of how to build right. to a... Um, to a Mr. Humphreys reveal. And you can't just come out in a top hat. You have to have, he actually has glitter in his hair. Um, he has rhinestones everywhere and like baby blue, like a cummerbund perhaps. I don't remember. But man, they, they, make, they make use of the uh, BBC fabric department, I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> um, this was his own tuxedo and he wore it when he won the golden pumps for the Gay Gordons. Uh, which is a Scottish square dance, which we discussed um, in the clock episode. Oh, that's where, right. Where uh, Mr. Granger, we thought, was going to force to retire, right? Oh, d- does it does it succeed to light up in the dark? No, but I do. Ooh, <laughs> I bet he does. Yeah. Uh, Miss Brom comes in in a big neon pink tutu, much like what Ginger was wearing. Yeah. And uh, Mrs. Slocum couldn't even get in the lift with her, so she has to take the stairs. <laughs> so cute. And she's wearing a teal tutu. And so she can't make her way down the staircase. She's, like, poking her uh, leg out, trying to find it. Because her skirt is so freaking so, big, so big. She can't see where the steps begin. And she's, like, yeah. feeling around with her shoe. And she's like, am I close to the edge? Oh, my God. So Mr. Lucas goes out to his sister down the stairs. She goes to sit in a chair, and her tutu goes up, exposing her directoire knickers or That's bloomers. Right. And the audience roars because we're seeing a real person's underwear as opposed <laughs> to a mannequin's underwear, right? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> she's... So brave of her to, like, yeah, sure, I'll be exposed on this national TV show. Yeah. yeah. So she asks from behind her tutu... Uh, what will Mr. Grace see first? You know, which 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 couple is going to go first, or which dance step are we going to do first? And Mr. Humphreys answers, "No hands, two knees, and a whole lot of bumps a daisy." <laughs> bumps a daisy. And so, that's not something we say here in the states. We have either upsy daisy. Uh, in order to encourage children to get up after a fall yeah. or to prompt that you're going to like lift them up to like 
on your shoulders. Um, or we say whoopsie daisy when something kind of goes wrong or maybe when the child falls to begin with. And that's, you know, it comes from you want to stop them from being on the floor looking at the daisies. It's like, okay, come on, ups, upsy daisy. Oh, and interesting. I, I, I wonder how that got corrupted into bumpsy daisy for your nether regions, for what's, you know, seeing your, your underwear on display. Bump, bumpsy daisy? Bump. Yeah. I'm picturing like a Ken doll with all his clothes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bump. I don't know. Mystery. So, Mr. Harmon and Goddard bring in Mr. Grace, and he's looking very feeble. I know. Uh, which will be a little bit of a contradiction later on, so hang on to that thought for a minute. Okay. The staff do a very simple foxtrot. Uh, Humphreys has a rose in his teeth, and he mugs for the camera. Oh, the fourth um, wall is broken. I'm, we're sorry, other the fourth Jeff. Wall. We know that he will not be happy about that. <laughs> um. And so the three couples are dancing, and then all of a sudden you see Ludlow, the scientist, at the top of the stairs, fiddling with his device, and then out of nowhere, the Fred and Ginger mannequins come in and join in the dance. Now, the actors who are playing the mannequins are wearing, like, the full mask. Creepy. And they look really, really creepy. Yeah. Because, like, there's no humanoid features at all on this face. Totally. And so they finish the dance, and, you know, what do you think, Mr. Grace? It's a shambles. Order four more of that lot and send the silly lot home. <laughs> I will say it was really sweet when the very end, um, of course, it's live music. I guess it's um, uh, Nicholas Smith playing the, the piano forte. And it was really cute because you see Miss Brahms and Mr. Granger at the far end kind of do the little bow to the camera. Really dancing. You know, Mr. Granger yeah. wasn't doing his little march in place routine. Yeah, it was actually kind of not, not too bad. And then they do this whole little choreography where they kind of – um, <laughs> Mr. Humphreys kind of moves between the big uh, dresses and he has like a little presentation and they do a, like a, a circular movement. But at the end, like each little couple does this cute little presentation to the camera, like at the very end. Yeah. And it's very kind of charming. And I love how Mr. Humphreys and, Mr. and Captain Peacock, um, they do it. And Mr. Humphreys like puts his hand on a jaunty hip and kind of gives this little like sailory kind of out like look. Um, it's pretty cool. It reminded me of Elton John for some reason. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was cute. It was. It was. You know. It, the, it's not like the best dancing I've ever seen, but I think for them it was really good. Like they're not professional dancers, but they know how to do it for the stage. You know. They know how to do it to put on a show for for sixty yeah. seconds or however long the the skit was, right? Yep. So that's the end of the episode, but if you stay for the end credits, um, you see the actor playing young Mr. Grace um, standing, walking up to the lift and, you know, standing up straight, getting himself in position, and he's completely unassisted. So the actor might not have been as feeble as he was playing young Mr. Grace, which is really interesting. I actually looked up when he passed away because he looks so feeble in this episode. I thought, maybe this is his last episode. <laughs> No, you know, he lasts until like eighty-one until season eight, right? I, whatever Something eighty-one like that. was, that was the last year, right? Eighty-one. No, it lasted until eighty-five because oh, okay. the last the last two seasons were kind of stretched out. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah, um, so you know, I mean, he is an actor. Maybe he's just like I'm. Really, not that feeble, guys. That's like uh, Patrick Stewart. It's a character choice. Yeah, uh, Patrick Stewart's playing Picard again in uh, Star Trek Picard, and uh, Patrick Stewart, he's not 
maybe he he just turned 80. I don't remember his age. Mm. He's not that he, he's getting up there, but he's not like 99, you know. But on the show, he plays I he think he plays older. Picard is like 95. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, that's right. He's acting. <laughs> so <laughs> what a novel thing. Um, so this is a good show. I said that every week, but you know, I my memories of the show as a kid was the animatronic robots and then them doing ballroom dancing and Mrs. Slocum's fabulous um, twall and you know um, I do remember the mugging of Mr. Humphreys to the camera with the rose in his teeth. So cute. I, I love it. Anything he can do, I love. Yay. Yeah. So, um, listen, if you know what a bumpsy daisy is or you have memories of um, ballroom dancing, let us know. Um, we will play your voicemail on the episode if you, if you give us permission to. It's always fun to hear from listeners. You can get in touch with us at Facebook, at Twitter, and uh, also write us an email at thatdoessuitmadam, with an E, at gmail.com. We should, make a, we should make a shtick about that. Maybe you say with an I don't know. We'll talk about that next time. Uh, you can also call <laughs> us at the Peacock Hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That is 662-732- 2625. It is local to northern Mississippi, but you know, you can call us anyway. That's right, listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, stay home if you have to go out, wear a mask, wash your hands, register to vote, and Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Go to vote.org and register to vote and vote for Biden Harris. So, uh, what's going on with the show next week, Mr. Jeff? So next week, we'll be talking about Forward Mr. Granger, and that's the one where Granger takes over for Rumble <gasps> when he's at a convention, and it goes to his head. Very good one. Yeah. I actually own a prop that is featured rather prominently, prominently, can I speak, on that episode. So this will be a Ooh. cool... Yeah, it's pretty neat. I'll have to like do a little Take show Take a picture for the Facebook. Like I'm in third grade, show and tell. My dad works at the electric company, and this is the light bulb. <laughs> all right. Well, guess right. what, everybody? You've all You've done, all done, done very, very well. well. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. That Dust Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Driver does not carry any cash.